0: Redefined is hosted by me, Zainab Salbi, and brought to you by Find Center, a search engine for your soul. Part library, part temple, Find Center presents a world of wisdom, organized. Check it out today at www.findcenter.com. And please subscribe to Redefined for free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. What's most important about life? What is the essence of life? Is it what we do? How much we earn? How many social media followers we have? Or is it, do we live our lives in kindness to ourselves and to others? Do we live our lives in love to ourselves and to others? In nearly losing my life, I was confronted with these questions. And it led me to the conversations that make up Redefined about how we draw our inner maps and the pursuit of meaningful, personal change. My guest this time is Maria Bello. Now, you may know Maria from hit TV shows like NCIS or for her Golden Globe-nominated performances in the movies A History of Violence and The Cooler, or maybe from her book Love, is love, questioning the labels we give ourselves. I came to know Maria through another lens, as a fierce advocate and activist fighting to empower women and end domestic violence in places like Haiti and Darfur, and ultimately as a dear, trusted, and respected friend. Heartfelt conversations with friends like Maria gave me the confidence to launch this podcast, Redefined. So as we end the year, I wanted to check in with Maria and talk as we do about what shaped her spiritual beliefs, the power and danger of beauty, evolving ideas about sexuality and relationships with beloved others, how to appreciate people in our past, and how to free ourselves from judgment. Join us. I want to start by an experience that we had together, and that was in Ethiopia, and it was one of the most memorable moments of my life, and that started for me when we were in the Dunkil Depression, visiting Ethiopia, a country that is unfortunately ravaged by a horrible war right now, but we were there a few years ago, and it was the hottest spot, as I'm told, as we were told, in earth, and... I'm sure you remember because it was such amazing beauty. It felt like we were in a different planet, not on Earth. You know, with these yellow, green, brown colors, walking in this, you know, volcanic uh, sand. I don't know what formations, you know, uh, salt formation. It's just so gorgeous. And when we left, I don't know if you remember... You put on my, you shared your headset with me. So we shared, you know, I had one ear and you had the other ear. And uh, we listened to Maraconi's music, The Mission. And I remember that moment, Maria. I remember it so, you know, vividly actually, because I teared up and I said, life will be up and down. There will be good moments in life and there will be hard moments in life. But throughout it all, I shall always remember that this life is so beautiful. And that moment for me came in sharing this experience with you, both in going to the same place and in having the same, in sharing the headsets, basically, listening to the same moment, to the same music, to the same experience. So, my first question is what was that for you? And, or, and if it's not, you know, what was that moment for you, but also what was the moment where you just had this epiphany that this earth is so magnificently beautiful and that this life is so beautiful?
1: Just like you, that memory is so stuck in my heart and in my body. I remember it exactly on that helicopter. What we saw those few days, even the few days before, the landscapes we saw, being stunned by beauty, dropping in the middle of nowhere and you know, meeting this uh, amazing tribe of people who've been living the same way for 3,000 years, right? Like it was really magical. And to see the, that depression, to see, it looked like a science experiment, right? Like you said, green, yellow, brown. I call those moments, particularly with travel, uh, like a lot of people do, God moments, right? You and I had a glimpse of God and art, uh, music, only elevates that moment, right? So I think we experienced this, we've never seen anything like it. I had chills talking about it. This is what I love about travel. You just stumble upon something and that music elevated this experience to like almost a God-like experience. And for me going into that trip, remember I just got done work. I was feeling a little depressed. I didn't know where I was going in my life. I went very last minute. I got to say, by the time I got home after being with you and our gorgeous girlfriends in this beautiful, amazing place for a week, changed me. I felt different because I had a few God moments. It's like a wake up, wake up, wake up. They're knocking on your door saying, hey, look at how big and beautiful the world is.
0: Right? I have to ask then, what is God means for you in that case? I mean, you grew up Catholic, as I understand it. Did you grow up Catholic? Did you grow up religious? I don't remember. I went to 16 years of Catholic school,
1: church every Sunday, right? It was such a tradition, immigrant, Polish, and Italian family in Philly. Very blue collar, very like, this is what you do. Everybody goes to church. But I remember from quite a young age, I didn't buy it. I remember my mom's a very spiritual person, though she's Catholic. She was all about our ancestors, our spirits, pray to Papa. She was always about Mary, the angels. So she had this way of looking at the world that wasn't particularly Catholic. And so it wasn't even like a clear decision I made, you know, when I was 18, 19, I knew in my teens that it's not where I want to be. It was also so white man centric, you know, old man centric, the patriarchy. And I got that really young. I didn't want to involve myself in that. And So what I think God means to me now, or I can say, as I'm living life, I can get glimpses of this. I don't have one clear answer for who I think God is. What I know is there are moments in my life when I experience God that I just know, it's not even a belief. I know completely I am taken care of. We are exactly where we're supposed to be. Life is right and good.
0: So beautiful honestly it's so beautiful for me to hear it because in that same trip if you remember there was a we went to this church and they are like very old uh, Ethiopian orthodox rich uh, traditions and and rituals and they opened this historic 12th century bible I think for us and all of that and I remember you were saying I'm not going there this is patriarchy and so I I actually was like okay I, for me, it was curious. I'm, I did not grow up Catholic or, or in Christian uh, tradition, you know, so I was like, oh, just curious. But for you, you're like, mm, I'm not going there. Remember? Yeah. And, and, I, yes. and I,
1: lo- I loved the musical part about it. Remember when they were outside and there's beauty and there's art and that ritual and history. But as soon as you go into that dark space and there's all these like men and no women are involved in this particularly holy thing, it just felt overwhelmingly masculine. And and my spirituality is more balanced than that. Masculine and feminine, right? It's not like completely feminine. It's something in between. You know, that's why, by the way, we share that book, Narcissus and Goldman, which was one of my favorite books since I was a kid.
0: Because it's that about book.
1: that, right? It's about like the balance of the male-female. It's about polarity, polarity of being human and being spirit, right?
0: It's so interesting you bring that book up because I don't know if many people know or the public know. I mean, the public know you in so many, you know, shows and movies and all of that. I'm not sure how many people know that you're actually a bookworm, right? You know? Well,
1: like you, some of my friends say, you know, my obituary will be like Gypsy Librarian. right? I've, I've been sort of a librarian and reader since I was a young kid and have collected many of the books that really inspired me throughout the years. Just built a library at the house. It's called Salon des Femmes, which is the women's room, because I have so many books, particularly on women's history and by female writers. And, you know, it's about mining history in a different way. Again, going back to patriarchy. Most history that's been told has been from that point of view. So I like to immerse myself in different things. But Narcissus and Goldman, right, was one of the first books that sort of opened my eyes to the metaphysical, let's say that even
0: though it's a very practical story. And how did you get to it, Maria? I mean, I know my for me, my mom influenced me in terms of noticing and putting my direction, saying, uh uh-uh, this is all patriarchal or this is very masculine or be careful or whatever, and go to this. And, you know, my mom had a huge influence. She always told me, she said, never look at God as in the sky. God is in everywhere, is in the flowers and in the sand, is in the water, everywhere, you know. How did you, what was the turning moments in your life where you realize mm, that is not god that is patriarchal that is masculine and i'm gonna actually really need to look into other perspective was it books was it your mom what was it no it's a you good had one. that epiphany. It's, it's,
1: it's, it's a good one you're gonna like okay. I, this is a true story i'm 14 yeah. years old catholic girls school on one side catholic boys school on the other in the middle was a chapel where you had to go every week and like go to mass whatever we're there one day and the priest meets for us with us and he's talking about confession and they hand out these little yellow papers with different sins on them.
0: You, like a multiple choice kind of thing. You can just choose. No, it's just, no. they were talking about confession,
1: what, what you might want to confess. And there's a list on there. And one thing on the list was like, do you masturbate? Have you ever been touched by somebody of the opposite sex, not married, like this sort of things. And I was like, um, what? And I remember raising my hand and saying to this priest, father my mom's a nurse like it's totally part of adolescent development what are you talking about and i remember this like huffy thing and there was there was no sort of answer but then i was called to the office later and sort of questioned you know by these nuns who by the way were really cool like they got it he didn't get it but so it was really a wake-up call quite early
0: That's amazing, because I'm sure all the kids masturbated. It's just no one said it, except you just raised your hand and said, that's normal. Why are you punishing us for that? Exactly. There's courage. And by the way,
1: I felt an undercurrent in that school with many priests that I met in that thing that there was something going on with their own sexuality. And I have to tell you, kids from that school during my, you know, some time there, were really wounded by priests a lot of young men were really wounded by priests at that time at my school i didn't know that then but now as adults we know what was happening and it's heartbreaking
0: it's uh, very interesting because my teenage life for me it was not with priests it was as you know with saddam hussein and beauty for me was dangerous like i knew as a teenager that is dangerous to be beautiful because to be beautiful then you have the gazes of powerful men and that they could do things to hurt you like that's how it was translated for me by my mother and society at large you know because also it was it came from truth you know if, if they liked you they raped you basically it was a, that equal equation how did it's so interesting that you talk about priests in that in catholic school how did you how did you see beauty as you were growing up you know, your own beauty, how people sew it. Is it to celebrate it? I mean, here you are audacious and saying, I masturbate and that's not a sin. <laughs> you know, how did you relate to the meaning of beauty as a teenager? Uh,
1: beauty in general was always uh, love to me. I was such a romantic. When you say, you know, I I read pretty wonderful books, like great literature but when I was a kid from like eight years old, I was obsessed with romance novels, really. Like the pirate and she she dresses like a guy and sneaks on a ship and the guy falls in love with her, right? It was like seeing my parents' relationship somehow, okay, fine, family of origin stuff, something being modeled for you. But also this idea like one day I'm going to beat my soulmate and it'll take me, you know, take me away and life will be perfect. And someone will save me, Cinderella. So I grew up with that. So I had a boyfriend really early on, like every you know, guy I met and I had long monogamous relationships through my teens, 20s. because I was like, this is it, this will save me. This is the one. And I really love these humans. I told you about the one who died of ALS a couple of years ago. And those amazing, those amazing moments we had. But so for me, That was the fantasy and that was the life Like I was living God through loving and romance and possibility of what that was and passion and sexuality and it all, you know, now I look at it differently, but then that was God to me.
0: That's so beautiful. Okay, well, now you're in another part of your life. How do you look at it differently? How has that translated or that meaning uh, evolved over time?
1: Well, then I thought it was real, real, <laughs> you know, in the moment, like if I felt passionately about someone and they felt passionate about me and we had a connection because listen, all the people I've ever been with are really great humans, like really cool. Definitely had a connection with them, whether they be man, women, whatever. And with most of them, there was some passionate thing. But what I realized now as a kid, you go with that and you think like that's a real thing, but it's not always. Sometimes it's your body, just like a chemical thing, right? That's part of it. So sometimes it's just sex, but you, needed to, you need to frame it as it's love really. But as you're older, I go, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's probably just about sex mostly. So now I'm, I just, uh, I, I see it differently. I don't know what it is like, can you, you know, do you have the, the whole package and that's love? Cause I've had that, I guess, a couple of times in my life, but I just don't think of relationships as linear anymore. I don't have this, oh my God, okay, we're gonna get married, have kids and be together for 50 years. I just, I, I think so that romantic ideal has left, you know, but in a good way, look, my parents have been married for 57 years. They still drive each other crazy they're in the same argument they've been in for 57 fucking years, right? <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm like, who's meant to be together for 57 years? <laughs> like, of course the person would drive you crazy after that
0: problem. Well, I mean, according to Carl Jung, we actually are attracted to people who irks us, you know, for somehow, some way, because they are, we're attracted to people who have the same want that we have. And so in meeting that want, then we are healing each other. You know, so that's, you know, by definition, you know, we're not only attracted to, you know, the people we love the most, you know, end up irking us or hurting us or whatever it is because they're so close you know you know i call it i call the people who i love the most they hurt me because they have opened the intimate part of my heart in it you know where the muscles are soft there you know i have to say like when i was a teenager i too thought of love as the romantic guy i i actually would i honestly have a an image i was You know, in Mosul, which at the time was not this horrible war zone, it was this very beautiful uh, Mosul, Iraq, you know, mountains and all of that, in the top of a a hill with Saddam and, and surroundings, and I was miserable, right? So I looked at the sky, and I imagined... This knight on a white horse will come and snatch me out of there into the white horse. And then he's just like, save me from the misery that I am in. And all my life, I mean, if there's one thing that I had to correct big time, is that all my romantic relationships, I always thought that this night is going to come and it's going to save me and it's going to take me out of my misery that I am in right now, whatever it is, by the way, different stages, right? And here I am, Maria, I'm 52, and it just dawned on me, you know, a couple of years ago that I am the night, I am even the horse. I am the. I am the armor. I am the whole thing. Like there is nothing in it. Like I am the knight and I'm the horse that is riding. And I, there is only one person that can save me, and that is me, actually. And that changed my. And but the way the route I corrected that was through understanding the true meaning of self love. Right. And it's, it's a it's a major thing because, you know, we especially I don't know if men have the same thing, but we women, I think because we are of the romantic novels and the romantic movies, we have that projecting that the projection that the other will save us. And it's really, 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 really took me a long time to understand I is only I can save myself and I can only save myself, but truly understanding what I can the, the meaning of love to myself.
1: That's right. And, and then, you can come from, then you can come from a choiceful place now, which is you understand when you choose someone, you, there's a growth edge, right? You would, knowing you now, you would only choose someone who helped you in some way to, to grow a little bit, to be in a committed relationship. Does that make sense? You know, I, when I go through stuff with Dom, as we couples, we all do, and I talk to you about it, you know, which I love, I love that we have that amongst us, right? that you know it always comes back to yeah but are you growing is she helping you to grow you know it sounds like you guys are still growing and it's true you know so whenever i think like oh god it's so a lot having a primary relationship primary romantic relationship where you're actually living with someone i think are we helping each other to grow and i would still say today yep and growth is hard you're right. I, I feel like especially the last you know years since I took the year off, it's gotten the egos chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, you know, softening, grief, shame, crying, like a lot of stuff happened in this year to soften me. So it's been in- it's been very interesting. So right now I, I feel you so much about that softening i think it changes everything
0: i mean i would have to agree i i would agree i mean i got softened by force (laughs) by becoming ill you know when i was really sick I'm i'm impressed actually that you're sort of going at the softening with intention You know, by letting it seems that what I'm hearing you is that you're going about the softening by letting yourself truly express your most authentic and your most vulnerable uh, self and allowing that and in the allowing it comes and the grief and all of that comes in. And then that's when the we let go of the armor. I mean, am I hearing it correctly? Like by by letting ourselves express ourselves, the armor that we have around us, uh, you know, starts melting away, and then the softness that we are come come more um, clear. Right. And yeah. what I
1: found is that what it takes is a great deal of humility. Like I learned so much humility this year, and by humility, I mean. I had to get to a point where I was on my knees saying, dear God, help me. I can't do it by myself. Meaning I'm not in control of anyone or everything. There's like, there's grand beauty in the world. There's people who the greatest, you know, artists of all time, thinkers and like the constant, like, Oh, I need to be this. I need to be that. Like, but humility is a different thing. I can't maybe explain it. Maybe I can give you an example. Remember this summer, Dom and I went to the Villa Lacoste in the south of France. Kind of stumbled upon it, had heard about it. It's this incredible vineyard where this man, Patty McKillen, built this hotel and 40 art installations all over his property. You, You walk in the woods for miles and you'll see like a stone path from Ai Weiwei. You'll see Frank Gehry builds like this music. Building. You can't believe a Louise Bourgeois spider. You, you can't believe the giganticness of thought and spirit that went into these pieces. I really felt like I was in a church. And I remember we're leaving there and I was like, Dom, after you see that, you realize like you're very tiny speck. You're very tiny speck for all of my ideas and this, and I'm a successful woman. I'm not going to take that away, but then there's vision. And I felt very
0: humbled, humbled by that. Beautiful. I mean, I remember you're reminding me of a conversation we first, we once had when I um, wrote freedom is an inside job and in it somewhere. I was like, you know, when people asked me when I was in between phases of my life, what are you doing now? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And that, you know, and then the not knowing is humbling, you know, and the not knowing is not because one doesn't know what to do or sometimes I don't know. Like, I don't. Who are you? I don't know. I really don't. You know, what is your profession? I don't know. I'm doing all kinds of things, you know, and and that's, you know, that not knowing is actually a very humbling thing, you know, and I'm not sure if it's related, but for you, it's it's the being in the presence of all what I'm hearing is where where it got you to hum to humility.
1: Again, again, it's another that's God, that was God moment for me. Right? Being overwhelmed, like tears in my eyes, like when we listen to the mission on that helicopter, like those moments where you go, it takes your breath away, but also validates that there is something bigger than you, way bigger than us. Right? But I but I think also this year You know, remember last year, at the beginning of the year, we were on another wonderful trip with our incredible, wild, beautiful spirit friends. And um, I took an intentional year off because I said to you and everybody, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I know I've been working for 27 years in this business. Right. The longest I ever took off was five months right before I had Jackson. I went to work five weeks after I had Jackson, my son Jackson. And I was like, I need a break running from one thing to the next, to the next, like slow down. So I finished my job in December 9th last year. So that's almost exactly a year. And I said, I'm going to take a year off. And it was scary for me because look, COVID, everybody took a hit. Like, am I ever going to work again? I don't know. I have some projects that I'm producing and developing, but can I do this? And I did. Jack and I had COVID in the beginning of January. By day 10, I was sitting outside, looking over, (laughs) talking to a friend saying, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm a traveler. I'm a gypsy. I'm going. It was before the vaccine, but because I had it, I could travel at that point. So I started immediately. You know, We were in Cayman Islands and then I was in the Yucatan. And then I went to Kenya for a month by myself. And then I went to Kenya again. And then I've been in France and and sort of opening up again to huge moments of beauty, curiosity. And I'm realizing, I thought, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, I haven't done anything this year. And suddenly I'm like, so much has been done to me this year. I have done so much this year in terms of uh, making my relationships right, my relationship with myself and others, Weirdly enough, by not pushing so hard on things I was creating, they are all coming to fruition right now. I'm like, well, what did I do for that project this year? It's like, not much, but maybe it's timing. Or so maybe even when you're not doing something, it's like when we meditate, right? Something is being shifted in you and changed in you without me even knowing it. I just went and had fun for a year, basically. Mm
0: i see i call this the feminine because the feminine you know and this is not to say one is better than other as we both know that this you you mentioned that the feminine and the masculine are equally important but the masculine is a drive it's like i am going to do that you know the feminine is sort of let things happen like there is a flow to the feminine and so the the feminine is sort of the allowing for things to happen you know it's sort of uh, putting the intention putting one you know being out there showing up but then also allowing things to happen and, and and that surrender and that the allowance i feel is one of the feminine values you know like we don't have to force Everything. Sometimes we do, but also to allow it to happen to us for us is also um, that's the surrender. That's the humility. That's a, they're all from that space of, you know, just calmer energy to it. You know, and it seems that you've experienced that
1: softness, yeah. like going there again. Softness. I, I say I'm feeling very watery, which means feminine, which means receptive, right? Like let it come, feel it all.
0: I want to go back to something that you said, which is about making your relationships right this year. So let's start with the. the I think the boys, the boyfriend who had ALS. I think was was he one of the one of the first boyfriends that you had? And I know you had a story about going back to him and having a conversation. You know, can you share that uh, that story?
1: Yeah. He, John Clark, he was my first great love. I met him when I was 18. I was like the, you know, the girl whose parents owned the pizza parlor. He was like the hot, handsome boy at the end of the street, <laughs> you know, going to be a lawyer. It was very romantic in that way. And we fell in love and we were together for a few years and to the point of like, we're going to get married. We're going to do this. Of course you grow and we were young and things changed, but always loved this man. He was my first sexual experience. And it was so great. So many people tell me about their first sexual experience and it was miserable. Mine was fucking amazing.
0: Amazing. But, Good it, for you. Yeah. Because
1: we, really, we really had a connection and we really got to know each other and he was really hot. <laughs> you know, so, That's excellent. I, I'm really grateful about that. But anyway, years later, he stayed in the neighborhood kind of where we grew up part-time and he had ALS. My family's still friends with him and his family. So two years ago, I went back to see him and say goodbye, and we're sitting in the room, my mom's there, and you know he can only blink on a screen to sort of spell letters to talk to me. And so we're being very polite, like, how are you, honey? And I give him a squeeze, he gives me a squeeze, and I can, but he has a smirk on his face. Like, I totally know his smirk, and I know his eyes. <laughs> so after we left, we're like, okay, bye. I'm texting him, like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> And he texts me back. He's like, nothing. You want to come over? Bring some beer. <laughs> so we ended up on the front patio of his, of his house laughing. And I'm saying laughing. He's in a chair. He can't move. He can't speak laughing about stuff that happened when we were kids. Like I always thought that I broke his heart. He thought that he broke my heart. And I was like, I'm sorry I did this. He goes, oh my God, I always thought you were the nicest person. And I said, oh my God, me too. But we used to fight. I mean, we were kids. And then he goes, basically like, let's see, how's your finger? Look, we got in a fight once and I was like this and I broke my finger. (laughs) 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 But these years later we were able to, and, and I was able to say like, oh my God, we really taught each other about like sex and love. And he was like, yes. And funny enough, I just started kind of dating Dom. I was like, honestly, <laughs> this is true. I'm like, honestly, if I wasn't like dating someone, I would totally make out with you right now. Like the, the, that energy between us was still there. It doesn't go away. It doesn't magically go away. It didn't matter. But what we did realize that night is we might have been apart for 20 years and we, we never even spoke. We heard about each other, but we never spoke. But what we realize now, but we were still so connected. So what's the difference if we didn't see each other on this earth for 20 years, or now that he's here in another dimension? I almost in a weird way feel closer to him now. I talk to you know, I I talk to him all the time. I'm like mostly it's like, oh shit, will you help me with this? I'm scared. Whatever it is. It was a beautiful, beautiful the way that it came around. And I feel So inspired by this relationship, by the courage that we had.
0: What other relationships you healed in the last, in that, in your, I mean, it seems that you healed your relationship with yourself by allowing yourself to, to be basically and to go with your wind, you know, what other relationship you healed you, you, that you're willing to share?
1: Um, I don't think I'm ready to share about or ever about, you know, the different sorts of relationships that I, but I will say how I healed myself in order to make all of the relationships good in my life steady. And that is I definitely got to a place where I realized a lot of my mistakes, what I could have done better, um, really owned it, everything, the pain that I've caused other humans, whoever they are in my life, also stop taking all responsibility, because that's ego as well, right? When you're like, oh, yeah, it's all me. Or, no, it's not. That in-between of taking full responsibility for our actions in the past and the present, and also having this feeling of, like, everyone has their own their own journey, that's a separate, separate human than I. I'm gonna stop trying to make sense of the world by trying to keep it in the frame that makes me feel comfortable. That's not what the world is. You have your own frame. Jack has his own frame. Dom has her own frame. My mother, like, I was putting my frame around everybody else for a long time, thinking that, Zainab, of course you see the world how I see it, of course. Then if we, when we really talk, we're like, not exactly. You and I have a lot in common in terms of how we see the world, what we value, even our history. So I think what I learned in terms of that self-healing and love is that my frame is tiny in a wonderful way. And I want to know yours and the people close to me. I want to understand their frames more. And so I think I've gotten kinder. I think I've gotten a little kinder to myself, but I think I've gotten a lot kinder to people in my life.
0: I think this is so beautiful and honestly so important in today's world. I feel like we are in a world where we're constantly correcting each other about what we say and how we say it and, da, 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 and like we're, you know, often I feel sometimes I walk on eggshells, you know, uh, like, oh, is this okay to say this? or this? And to frame it in that way, you know, to frame it and saying, okay, I see the world this way, this other person sees this way, this way bad intention, good intention. What do I own? What do they own? Distinguish between my story and their story and move on and
1: move on. on. And, And that's the biggest case and move on. If you get stuck in there, you're still in your ego, right? If you get stuck there, then it's still about like how it affects you. Fucking let it go. Move on. Keep walking. My son teaches me that a lot. He's very much like, mom, one foot in front of the other. We're all human. I'm like,
0: right, right.
1: So here we are walking, you and I.
0: I have two questions. Well, let's stay on the relationship because, you know, you made, you know, you fell in love with Dominique when she had cancer. I mean, a lot of people would turn around Maria and just say, I'm out. I love her. But, you know, that's too complicated. What I'm just so, so curious about that because that's for me, shows so much about who you are. You know, so much about the the loving, the caregiving, the seer part of you. Was there any doubt? Was there anything like, oh, you know, maybe not? Or just like, you go for it. Like, this is part of well, who you are. You just go for things.
1: You know, everything that you said is just true. And there is the caregiver. And it was very, like, romantic. Three weeks after we fell in love, she's like, oh, by the way, I have a lump on my breast. Right? So within a month, she was in chemo and I was like, all right, let's do cancer. I mean, A, I was crazy about her. We've been friends for a year. She's the most dynamic, as you know, incredible, beautiful woman. And um, I just liked her so much. I liked who I was with her. And so when she had cancer, I quickly went like, yeah, let's do cancer. And then it was like nine months of really heavy duty, like horrible chemo mastectomy like it was a whole thing she was exhausted of course by the end but she was such a warrior she like danced through it and i was like the tap dancer Okay, hey, everything's fine and taking over and we had just gotten together really i want to talk about the shadow side narcissists and goldman a lot of what you and i talk about the shadow side of what you said is i grew up in a family where my mother was always taking care of my dad right and trying to get her self-worth maybe taking care of my dad
0: because your dad had an injury a physical injury yeah that my dad he had care injury. Of, yeah 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 and then
1: you know later in life my mom got cancer when i was 18 so i was like taking care of her so there was this caretaking quality but the shadow side of it was but it was in in history as well like maybe we all did a little too much for each other right so i saw my Now I'm seeing my caregiving nature as, you know, something that needs to be balanced a little bit, right? That it's not just like this altruistic, it's like being stuck in a story, stuck in that story of, oh my God, someone needs my help. Very good. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good because if we we derive our identity from that, you know? Then we become attached to it, then we want to take care of everyone. We see crisis and we go and because that becomes the how we get yeah. meaning and uh, to who, right? Are we. Why, do, why do you think,
1: yes, why do you think I worked in disaster zones for years? Why do you think you worked in war zones, right? right? It's like, yeah, we gave, gave, give so much to the world, and we're caretakers and we're warriors. And then after just question it, it's a great thing to question. Am I doing like for her. Yeah, it was an amazing love story. And then afterwards, we thought everything we were a year later, like, oh, this is going to be great out in the world again. And then COVID happened. And so then that was the last year. And then this year, I said, cancer, COVID commitment. <laughs> Commitment's the last
0: tackle. You know, it's three like okay. <laughs> the, the three C's. The three C's. <laughs> um, yeah, but if you survive that, one can argue you survive anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of learning, though. But 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 even for me to be able to say that now, when she has said like, "Oh my God, you know, you saved me," and now for us to get to the point to the growth point where I go, well, not really. I was kind of saving myself too, and crazy about Beautiful. you. Beautiful, right? Wow. So that that's growth to be able to say that to another human, have that discussion about both of where your lives were and what was happening. Like at one point, I was like, "She doesn't appreciate me. She's such an asshole." By the way, she was really fucking sick.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> After yeah. six
1: months, and she's so joyful and tap dancing like this. And you know, when she fell in, she fell in. And um, you know, I took it personally. Right. Because I was exhausted too. So, but then hopefully you can find that out about each other. So it's not like, remember, you did this, remember, I did this, if you kind of deconstruct it and really take the other person's account into, you know, into account, then it becomes a third thing. Beautiful. Something much more complicated than you thought it was
0: at the time. Mm. No, beautiful. I mean, seriously, because you're taking truth into another dynam dimensions. Truth is not, you know, there is the I call it the outer truth. You know, the outer truth is that you took care of her and you showed her love and kindness and all of these things. Right. The inner truth which only us know about and only us can tell it to ourselves, is you're saying, well, I also derived my identity out of it and I also loved her. And and so when we have this, I feel like when we have this symbiotic relationship between the outer truth and the inner truth, a new story of who we are develops if it's actually in truth. Right? So let's say before you took care of her, let's say your truth was, I am the caregiver. I took care of everything. And then it becomes one aspect of truth. But then you did that and then you realize, oh, there is another aspect, your inner truth, your intimate truth, your authentic truth, right? And then by ad- ad- addressing it and talking about it, it changes your identity of how you relate to these things. It changed your relationships with each other. It changes your relationship with yourself, And with your, you know, your truth. It's beautiful. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's truly beautiful. truly beautiful. And not many people go there, but when we go there, we can actually shape a new story for ourselves. Totally beautiful. Oh my
1: God. There's so much freedom in it. There's so much freedom in it.
0: Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Maria, I, you know, I can't end with that. You have all these books surrounding you right now where you are. You're... Favor and you mentioned you know um a couple of books that impacted you if you are to mention one book that you keep on going back to and read between now and then what would that be
1: honestly and i read it when i was like 15 but i still do it it's called letters to a young poet Uh, by by rilke yeah still you know live the question live in the question you'll one day walk yourself into the answer Right, they're really simple. Like sex is difficult, but so is life. Learning to love far into the future; these are difficult things that set upon us as human beings. So it's always been a touchstone in my life.
0: A music, a piece of music that you always go to hear for either solace or joy. Or I love seeing your dancing video on IG, by the way. Uh, But (laughs) is there one music or couple or whatever that you keep on going to? Yeah, ABBA, everything. Oh I, <laughs> I just no listened idea. to the new album. Oh my god, are you kidding? Dancing Queen
1: comes on and I feel I feel free. I love it. I love Dancing Queen. Poem
0: or a poet that you keep on going to?
1: I love Mary Oliver. Really. I love Wild Geese.
0: And then we are about to end 2021. Been year of transition for you for so many of us for you seems also with with the travels and the rest and the care and and redefining you know the self if you may what are your hopes and wishes for yourself and for the future and for the world uh, as we go about 2022?
1: Oh for the world that's a big one but honestly I hope we're we get this COVID under control and get their livelihoods and their um their lives in order again and, and and realize also what it's taught us as a global community and maybe work towards healing that and, and participating in working towards healing our trust and connections amongst each other globally and to create projects and stories that elevate all of those principles that i so believe in and i believe it's part of my purpose here on earth
0: That was Maria Bello. For transcripts and other resources from this episode, please go to www.findcenter.com slash redefined. Do please subscribe to this podcast. It's free and your subscription and perhaps your comments is all I ask of you. Thank you. And if you want to learn more about my work with Find Center, please follow Find Center or me on Instagram at find_center center or at Zainab Selby. Maria is taking a break from Instagram, but her work is often public. Thank you so much for listening and wishing all happy and healthy holidays. We'll be back next week for another conversation about life's turning points and lessons learned. My guest will be, author, and spiritual leader, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. Redefine is produced by me, Zayn Selby, along with Rob Carso, Casey Kahn, and Howie Khan at Freetime Media. Our music is by John Palmer. Special thanks to Neil Goldman, Carolyn Pincus, and Shara Johnston. Looking forward to seeing you next time.